On this episode, we talk about build, bridges, and OneDrive placeholders. This is the SAMS Report. Today is February 26th, and this is the SAMS Report. Um, starting a little bit earlier today, if you notice that it came through on the RSS feeds or you're chatting um, here early. A uh, few things going on in my life this afternoon and just got to get stuff out of the way. And what might be going on in my life? Well, one of those things, because I know you care, is I'm headed up to Redmond next week. Actually, I'm headed up there with Paul Thrott and Mary Jo Foley. We're all going to be in Redmond. And why are we going to be in Redmond? Well, Microsoft is hosting... What are they hosting? The TechNet Virtual Conference. So this is an online event where they're going to be streaming sessions. There's going to be speakers. There's going to be a lot of smart people. A lot of smart people. I mean, and when I say smart, like way smarter than me, uh, going to be doing presentations up there. And actually, Paul and I are going to be doing a, a session as well. So we are going to be doing the closing remarks, closing keynote um, on Wednesday. Yes, Wednesday at about 4.30 p.m. And I believe it's going to be live. So look for Paul and I to do our buffoonery. And it's going to be a little bit of a preview of some things to come. But yeah. So look for that next week. Look for that next week. That should be really fun. I'm actually really curious to see how this is going to go. This is the first time um, that Paul and I have ever really done an event like this together. And this event for Microsoft is brand new. And you should hopefully have seen some presentations or advertisements or whatever you want to call them. It's not really advertisements, but um, we built a, a hub on Petri and Threat where you will be able to go and watch all the videos, be able to chat live. Um, Paul and I should be chatting in there as well, I would imagine. But really, you can just go onto Petri or Thrat on Thrat. It's in the top center of the promotional block area at the top of the page. And on Petri, you can't miss it. It's at the top as well. And it's just something we're working with Microsoft on. And they said, hey, you want to come give a session? And Paul and I, you know, not bashful to get in front of a camera, took him up on that opportunity. So we're going to be going up there. And if you are around in the Seattle area on Monday evening, there is going to be a meetup. Um, it's going to be at a local brewery, to no surprise. So check out for all the details. You can check out Mary Jo Foley's feed. She's got the actual links. You do need to register for the Eventbrite information. But yeah, Monday evening, doing good stuff, provided my flight gets in, because I do have some fun, I have a really short layover in Salt Lake City. And look for us to do our keynote session. We'll be blasting more about that about in the near future. But my goodness, sometimes I write up these show agendas, and I'm like, you know what, there's not a whole lot this week, but there's enough to make it happen. But this is not one of those weeks. There has been a significant amount of Microsoft news, and I don't know if that's they were just holding it back because last week had a holiday in it, and they thought maybe a lot of people were traveling. But here we are. Here we are, guys. So let's kick it off with an iPhone. Okay, no, not really an iPhone. I think everybody's beaten this to death, but it kind of came out yesterday about Microsoft's stance on the situation. So 10,000 foot level recap, FBI wants Microsoft, FBI, the FBI wants Microsoft to crack, no, the FBI wants Apple to crack into an iPhone and uh, be able to gather the data off of a phone that was used in a terrorist situation here in the US, the San Bernardino um, shootings. And Apple's like, nope, we don't want to do this. We don't want to break our own system and put a backdoor into our own code. And that's the gist of it, very watered down. And yesterday, Microsoft's chief legal counsel, um, Brad Smith, came out and said, you know what, Apple, we're going to back you on this. And what they're really doing is they're saying to the courts, hey, we think Apple is in the right here. And it's not just Microsoft. Since Microsoft said this, we've learned that Twitter, 
Uh, I would imagine Square because Jack Dorsey owns both. Um, who else? Google, I believe, and I think Facebook. Don't quote me on the Facebook one. Are all saying, hey, you know what, Apple, we back you on this. And it's good to see these tech companies come together. Um, my personal stance of the situation is Apple should not have to build in weaknesses into their own products simply because the government tells them to. That is my stance on the situation. Um, take it for whatever it is, but that's how I believe security. I don't want to give up a, a liberty um, you know, because of something somebody else did. Don't let one bad apple ruin the bunch type scenario. But not to go into personal philosophies, but that's the situation that's going out. I don't expect this to be resolved quickly. It's going to go through the courts. Apple's already said they'll take it up to the Supreme Court if they have to. And we all know that Apple has a bankroll that they can fund this. This is no sweat off their back. So keep, you know, just kind of keep on the lookout for that. But Microsoft now is in the camp of Apple. Um, it's just one of the many things that they have agreed on over the years. And Microsoft is not uh, new to this scenario. If you remember not long ago, really, there was an issue where there was data stored in uh, a server stored in Ireland. And Microsoft put a huge fight up saying, hey, we shouldn't have to pull that back because technically we're a U.S. company, but that's data stored on an overseas uh, data center. So Microsoft is very aware of going up against the government. They are very much proactive privacy for obvious reasons. If there's no privacy in their cloud when it comes to the U.S. government, then why should foreign companies use it? So there we go. That is what's going on with Microsoft and the iPhone. So what actually happened besides this kind of court junk that's going on? Um, Microsoft actually claims that they are improving the visibility on the store. Now, they've highlighted some initiatives they've done in the past, and it was funny, as soon as I pushed this out, I got a couple emails from developers saying, hey, I'm still having trouble finding my app uh, when I search the specific terms. So if you are having trouble finding a specific app and you're a developer, um, check out the post on Petri, first of all, because there's instructions in there on about what to do. You're supposed to contact Microsoft with a couple different um, tidbits about your app and the feature keywords and your app ID and all that good stuff, and then they will actually help you with the uh, visibility of your app. Um, yeah, keep that in mind. And another change they're actually making to the App Store, which this is kind of interesting. So they did some data analysis of people who were doing reviews who are in the slow ring of the Insider program. And they said, you know what? These slow ring reviews are pretty much the same as the RTM reviews. So that's really interesting to me and I'll go on to that for a second but what they're going to do now is that if you're in the slow ring and you write an app review it's now going to show up for RTM users if you are in the fast ring and you write an app review it will still be hidden for the developer and the reason why they're doing that is if you're in the fast ring there's a lot of things that could cause instability with an app um, and they don't want those potentially polluted reviews saying hey you know what this app crashes all the time when in reality it's actually Windows fault so they're going to still hide those so the, there's a couple things so they're including the slow ring reviews which I don't even think they've pushed out a slow ring release yet, have they? I don't think so. So really, the slow ring is really just RTM, basically, with a couple other features. Um, I don't even know features, really, so that's probably not even accurate. It's really just slow ring. It's just, it's, what is it? Um, obviously, it's not the fast ring. But, yeah. So they're going to start including those reviews into RTM. Now, this makes me question a couple things. Are they doing this because there's not enough reviews from RTM users? I, I've heard this before from insiders that says Microsoft is still not happy, and I, I know I've said this, still not happy with the download rate of apps from the store. 
sure they're touting how many views they're getting, but they're not really saying how many downloads and review downloads they're getting. They're not very specific about that. And so my my gut is kind of telling me here they're looking at it and say, hey, you know what? We need more reviews in the store because we don't have enough. Well, people in the Insider program are using the App Store a lot more than, let's just say, your common average user. Let's start including those reviews. And so they pick the slow ring to try to buff it, beef it up. Um, I don't really have any other reasoning why they would do that. I mean, it doesn't make too much sense. If they had a plentiful amount of reviews, why would they need more? So to me, it says they didn't have enough. They were looking for a way to get more, and this is how they're going to do it. So uh, that goes into effect in March, by the way. So in just a few days here, we will start to see uh, those reviews being ingested into that App Store model. So... Not really sure if that's going to impact anything, but I don't know. Microsoft's giving it a shot. We'll see what the heck happens, right? So last week, there were a lot of teasers um, about what was going to go on at Mobile World Congress, and I think everybody knows what it is now. It's the HP Elite X3. And so I'm not going to dive into the specs here, but I really want to talk about what this phone is. This phone is the future of mobile productivity, is the way Microsoft and HP are looking at this thing. So you, you buy a phone. You can also buy a, a mobile extender, which is really just a clamshell laptop without the guts. It's got a screen, it's got a keyboard, it's got a trackpad, and it uses continuum from the phone. There's also a desktop extender, which you hook it up to a monitor, you drop your phone in the desktop extender, and you have a keyboard, well, if you have a Bluetooth keyboard, um, and you've got a monitor, it's just like a normal PC, with the caveat of being in the um, continuum mode, right? Which has its own little shortcomings. but it's real easy to see how this is going to become the future of the mobile desktop or the mobile user because, right, you have one device. Now, HP, I think, is actually taking the smart approach here. I was trying to fight off a sneeze there. <laughs> HP is taking off the right approach here. They're only going for the enterprise. They're, if you're a consumer, yes, you'll be able to buy it. But the specs are pretty high-end. I'm not expecting this phone to be cheap. I would expect it to be eight, 900 bucks, to be honest, when it launches. That's my personal opinion on this. Um, I don't know, have any insider information, but that's my gut is eight to nine hundred bucks. Now, this is an enterprise play. How is this going to make sense? Well, here's how it makes sense. Imagine you're a a lightweight user. You're in sales, or you're in lightweight analytics, and all you need is Excel, PowerPoint, Word, an email, and a web browser. Continuum does all of this. So what the what the IT staff could do is buy this package, right? They could buy you the mobile extender. They could buy you the desktop top. They likely already have a monitor, and they outfit you with a phone. Then they don't need to give you a laptop. They just save 1200 bucks because the phone can do everything. See how that's going to work? And now here's a little hint for you. I know of at least two other companies working on similar arrangements to what HP is doing. So HP will not be the lone wolf. I think they were getting it out now to kind of show the market, hey, we're the leaders, come work with us. I know of at least two other companies who have toyed with this idea. So I don't know I don't know if they're gonna do it yet. That's another question, but I know of two other companies and you can probably try to figure them out. They're pretty big. But that is what is going on with the HP Elite. I think it's a really, really smart move by HP because they need something that's gonna show you know, show some initiative. That's what they're doing here. And the cool thing about this is, and this is a monetary play by, micro, or by HP, is 
they're doing, I shouldn't sigh at this, I'm just trying to get my, my thoughts straight here. They're going to do x86 apps virtualized onto this device. So, if you're looking at, the, at this HP, Elect, HP Elite X3 and you're like, you know what, my, my employee needs this one particular app. And it's x86 only, we're not going to rewrite it as a universal Windows platform app. That's out for us. Not so quick. And I really very strongly believe that Microsoft has a very strong play into this. I really believe this. I really, really do. This virtualization stuff is right up Microsoft's sleeve, right? This is textbook things that Microsoft does very well and they're good at doing. So I, I would be very much strongly in the belief that Microsoft either gave them some technology or is running some of the show behind the scenes. But let's say you have that app. You can now work with HP and they will virtualize that app and allow you to run it in continuum through the virtualization model, right? It's a pretty big deal, actually. That's how you get those Intel-based apps. Now, I would not use things like Photoshop or video editors and all that stuff, but if most of these kind of proprietary enterprise apps aren't so data-intensive locally, they usually reach out to the cloud-type scenario. So this is a, a really cool little way that they can now get x86 onto these phones. And I think that this is going to be the first generation of what's going to be many to come of how we slowly see the smartphone overtake the laptop and potentially the desktop. Now, I don't mean like in every scenario, but imagine that marketing person who goes out into the field, um, just has sales calls, just punches things into an Excel, only does, this is perfect device for them. This is the perfect scenario. And it's cheaper for the enterprise to buy because they're not buying a laptop. They buy one thing, they buy a mobile extender and they buy the desktop top. I think this is a really, really smart I think this is going to be smart. I think this is a smart play. I, I know I keep saying that, but it, and the fact that they're only going enterprise at first, this is not a consumer product. It's not there yet. It's not ready. And they're not pretending it is. So this is really cool. Really happy to see that HP is actually doing something that's interesting with Windows Phone rather than just putting out a phone saying, God, I hope this one actually catches on for some reason. Um, I can see this one actually selling to the right clients. So that's enough about the HP X. HP Elite X3. It is coming this summer, so we've got several months lead up to this thing. Water's good. Water is good. Okay, so this week there was a new build of Windows 10 desktop and mobile, 14271, and it was really just a bug fix release. There's not too much to talk about it, or is there? So if you remember a few weeks ago, I told you that OneDrive placeholders were coming back to Windows 10. And I had that on good authority that placeholders were coming back. In this build, there's a little bit of a teaser. Good friend Walking Cat uh, on Twitter noticed that there is a Cloud Store DS DLL. Um, it contains one string resource called placeholder. This is very similar to what they did the last time around. So it's not definitive, but I think it kind of, it's giving us more evidence that Microsoft is building out OneDrive placeholders. Yes, thank you. It's always nice when you get a scoop right, but at least now I have evidence internally within the builds that yes, Microsoft is bringing this along. This is really good stuff. And the fact that we're starting to see this now means we hopefully see it announced sooner rather than later. Although I have no information about when it will actually be announced, but this will make Mr. Thrat and myself very happy. Very, very happy about this. So OneDrive placeholders. It'll, it, it's about time. It's about time. Moving on, Microsoft 
Microsoft finally this week, finally announced that Astoria, you know, poor one out, it's dead. It's dead. Microsoft has killed it officially. We've known for many months now, um, months might be a little too long, at least several weeks, that Astoria, uh, Microsoft has abandoned it and it was doing away. I wish that they would open source what they had done, but I don't know if they are going to do that. They don't like to open source some of their virtualized stuff and this kind of falls roughly into that category. So nothing on that yet, but Astoria is dead. They did say that Islandwood is still alive and well, uh, their web wrapper bridge or whatever that is called, and also Centennial. Centennial is how you bring Win32 apps into the Windows Store. Um, it's a bridge and it takes a Win32 app, allows you to run it through the bridge and then put it into the App Store. Are all still alive. So at least they're, they still got those bridges. And this came up again, I'm gonna repeat this just because I know I've done it on previous shows, that the iOS bridge and the Android bridge did not need to live together. If you can name an Android app, an Android app that is not on iOS, that needs to be on Windows Phone or on the Windows desktop, I would be, it's less than a handful. It's very, very small. And so again, what they're doing is that, hey, look, why are we supporting two paths? Islandwood had been getting better feedback, saying it had been working better. It's less resource intensive for the OS. So look, they go with Islandwood, all the apps that people are going to want are already on iOS. It doesn't make sense to have Android as well if it's an inferior solution. So they say, hey, you're already building an iOS app. Here you go. It doesn't make sense to have both. And I, I do agree. And I'm not trying to be a Microsoft defender. It's just it's logic at the end of the day. There's primary developers. They're targeting Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all those guys. They all build Android and iOS apps. Why do they need two bridges? They don't, they need one. Let's support one really stinking well, Islandwood, and that be it. Now the question is, how many people are actually using Islandwood? I, if you know anybody, please um, send them my way. I'd actually, I would actually love to talk to a developer who's used Islandwood outside of the Microsoft little bubble. Microsoft is saying, hey, we'll talk to you about Islandwood, but that's not really what I want. I want somebody who's completely independent saying, you know what, we used Islandwood and this was the result. If you know anybody, send them my way. I'd love to chat with them. So, also in this same space, big news this week. Big news, Microsoft bought Xamarin. I believe that's how you pronounce that name. I've never actually heard it pronounced now that I realize that. So this company, what they do is they build a suite of productivity or development tools that make it really, really easy to build mobile apps. And this acquisition has been rumored for a long, long, long time because it just made sense. It fit right into Microsoft's portfolio of content or content development tools. And so they finally, you know, I don't, I don't want to say bit the bullet. I suspect they finally were able to come to terms and reach an agreement because there's a lot of legal things. It's not like you just walk into these companies and say, you know what, I'm going to give you a billion dollars. I have no idea what they paid. Um, I'd be surprised if it was a billion because they probably would have had to announce that but they have to come to terms with how much the money they're going to pay them and then they have to come over the legal boundaries and then there's investors and there's a whole sorts of things that go on with an acquisition that take time now this one did take quite a while but i suspect it was a, a lot of term battling um around how the tools are going to be used when the acquisition acquisition was going to occur and whatever Anyways, the deal is done. Microsoft now owns this technology, and they're gonna talk a lot more about it at Build. Now, the, in their bridge post that they announced yesterday, they gave us a pretty good hint about Build, actually. So they're gonna talk about this new software, 
They're also going to be talking about these bridges, and they're also going to be talking about Universal Windows Platform. Now, this isn't a huge surprise, but this is really kind of the first time that they've said, yes, these three topics are pretty big for us. They're still big for us, and this is going to be a focus at Build. So expect that. Uh, expect that from Mr. Terry Meyerson and his whole crew. Um, so there we go. There we go. Watch out for Build. I think Build should be a lot of fun. Again, I'll be at Build. Let me know if you're going to be there. We'll meet up. We'll hang out. We'll have a good time. So, what else happened this week? Gosh, because there has been a lot. HoloLens had a little oops-a-daisy. So, actually, it was an app called ActionGram, and my friend, I call him a friend now, we've chat all the time in direct messages, I guess I can call him a friend, Walking Cat, um, figured some things out and was able to pretty much gather everything he knew about ActionGram, including documentation and videos and in, these, in this documentation, there were um, tutorial videos, and I posted it up on Therat. It's actually showing the, what the start menu of HoloLens. Now, they call it the Hollow Shell. Um, for those not familiar, Microsoft refers to the desktop components on Windows 10 as the shell. But it's the start menu, is what it is. And if you want to take a look at it, I posted the video. But what it looks like is if you open the start menu right now on your Windows 10 desktop and only grab the live tile side and just rip that out. It makes sense, right? This needs to be a touch-friendly environment. And the only real difference is at the top of the live tiles, you have Cortana at the very, very top, and then you have Wi-Fi information, you have battery life, and you also have time, um, you know, a clock. So you can go check that out. It's nothing too crazy, but hey, we're at least getting some interface components of HoloLens. We're starting to see a lot more about how it actually works. And so what is ActionGram? ActionGram allows you to take these little holograms and they have like a gallery and then put them into the real world. So one of the things that you can do, so if you're familiar with the meme, um, deal with it, where sunglasses come down from the top of the frame and then rest over the eyes and then text at the bottom says deal with it. So one of the action grams is you can grab these sunglasses and create that experience on anything. So if your dog's walking around, you can drop sunglasses on them and say deal with it. Um, that's kind of a, a simple approach. But there's all a wide gallery of everything. And um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. You can go check out out all the information. One other thing that did come out of the documentation though is there's a new Bluetooth peripheral that we have not heard of previously with, for I should say, for HoloLens. Now if you've ever used it, I've used it a couple times, to click, essentially think left mouse click, you have to make this pronounced gesture with your index finger where you, you lift it up and you have to tap it almost all the way down to your thumb. Like it, it's, it's fine once or twice, but I can tell you it's pretty annoying like when you're doing a lot of operations, you know, you're, you're just doing this pronounced gesture all the time. So how did they fix this? They came up with a little Bluetooth clicker that straps onto your hand. Um, it's got a little finger loop. I mean, it, it looks pretty tiny. And there's a little clicker that just gives you, I believe, a left mouse click. And this, I'm actually really happy they milked this. And you just tap it. And I believe it has an actual clicking mechanism. And that does the same engagement as that pronounced gesture, which will make using the, the tool or I should say the HoloLens, much, much easier. I'm really, really happy to see that come out. We had not heard about it previously, but there we go. It's coming. And I hope that it's packaged. That's the other thing we don't know. We don't know if that's bundled. I would imagine it is. Because Microsoft, Microsoft wants to get the consumer launch experience for HoloLens to be impeccable. This is, I've heard this many times. This is why they keep saying five years. Honestly, because I don't think they know exactly when they're going to launch it. They probably have rough timelines, but they want to make sure there's apps. They want to make sure everything is perfect because they're only going to get one shot at this. 
And we all know how Connect turned out, right? Um, I, well, you can't even see. I disconnected my Connect back there. It's no longer behind me. I just there's no use for it. I I don't like the voice gestures. I didn't like it, so I disconnected it. I, they're going to try very hard not to repeat what happened with Connect because Connect still has a lot of potential, but just not as a gaming peripheral as they pitched it. So, Hololens will not launch until Microsoft is extremely confident in the product, thankfully. And so I hope that clicker is included in the box or whatever it is. So that's what I'm hoping. That is what I'm hoping with that clicker. So what else What else is going on this week? So Outlook Premium, Mary Jo Foley scooped this up and we got some more information about it. So again, thanks to Walking Cat, he's pretty much been the highlight of this show because he was on fire this week. Uh, I actually found the login and registration page for Outlook Premium. Now the nice thing about Outlook Premium, as the name suggests, it's a premium add-on, which means it's not free. Unless, unless you have Office 365. According to the documentation, Office 365 users will get Outlook Premium for free. It's nice. It has no ads, and you can use domains with it. So you can have, like, um, like I have Brad at bdsams.com. I can now use that with Outlook.com once I get Outlook Premium uh, for free. And that's really about it. There's some advanced calendar functions and whatnot, but that's really the ads and the domains are really what's... Um, what can be used there. So those pages are out there floating around, but I tried to sign up. It won't let me. You have to actually get invited, and then they have to tag your Microsoft account. They claim, they claim that they are piloting this, but I kind of hope that they do roll it out because it's a nice bonus for Office 365 users, which I think there are quite a few of. There's well, Microsoft said, what, there's over 20 million, uh, 20 million subscriptions, I believe. So for everybody using it, I use it. Eh, it's a nice little perk, right? Don't have to pay, you know. Don't have to pay for it. Um, got a lot of questions today about the Xbox event out in San Francisco. I am obviously not in San Francisco. I'm heading to Seattle next week. But there were other reasons why I couldn't travel this week, and everything from that event is under embargo. It was not live streamed, from my understanding. And I don't, I wasn't. I read the briefing emails, but they were had everything blacked out and all that good stuff. Um, it's just games related from what I understand. I know there are, Microsoft is working on some more hardware, but I don't believe that there was hardware announced um, at this event. I should say that with caution, because I think they might announce some new hardware soon-ish. But I'm thinking that's more at E3, which I will probably attend uh, this year. I haven't gone to E3 in a couple years, but I will probably likely go this year. Um, speaking of Xbox, my Xbox's brick is now making a very high-pitched whine, which I am just fascinated about, um, hoping it's not going to die. If anybody else has experienced their Xbox power brick making a really high whine, when I'm using it, it's not making the whine, but it's you can't hear it right now. But when it's just plugged in and the Xbox is off, it's a high-pitched whine. So somebody asked in the... Uh, in what is this, in the chat window here, they asked about my, my new PC and how it's going. So if we talked last week, um, I was running two 970s. I have now taken those out. I am actually, this this podcast is now running on a 980 Ti from EVGA. It's the For the Win edition, and it is super silent, and I love it. I'm actually getting better frame rates with this card running Tomb Raider than I was with uh, the dual 970s on very high settings was doing about... 30 to 35 frames per second. This card running the very high settings is actually doing a little over 40. On high, on Tomb Raider again, it will do 60 frames per second. 
which is fantastic. At 4K, by the way, this is all both on 4K. I, these monitors are 4K, I game at 4K. So that is actually quite nice. I'm very, very happy about that. The other problem I've had, and so I will give some credit to iBuyPower for this, and you'll probably saw me raging yesterday on uh, Twitter about it, is the water pump that I have makes a very slight fluttering noise. So I've ordered a new one, or they're sending me a new one, a Corsair H75, I believe, and UPS, USPS, sorry, not UPS, United States Postal Service lost my package. Even worse than that, the rant here, quick second about the USPS. So my office um, is like six feet from the front door. All right, six feet. Now I am in the basement and it's upstairs, but the front door is legitimately like six feet from the front door. I can hear anybody open it. I can hear anything come through. They claimed that on Wednesday they attempted delivery, but there was no safe place to put the package. Now I also have a dog. They did not come on my porch. There's no way, no how. I get dozens of packages every month from the USPS and never had an issue. They, they just put it in the front door and it's fine. And it's a, it's a water cooler. It'll fit in the front door. It's fine. Um, so they claim they came. They didn't. But anyway, so I look it up, the tracking number, and it says, hey, go to this post office. That's where your package is. So I get in my car, and I drive to the post office. And they tell me at this post office, they said, no, it's not at this one. It's at our sorting facility. So I went to the sorting facility. And then they told me, um, no, the website was wrong. We actually put it back on the truck to go deliver it again. Okay. So after wasting about an hour, I come back home and do my thing. And then I get a notification that the package has been delivered. So I'm like, great. Go up to my front door and it's not there. I don't know where I don't know where this thing is. Um, fortunately, I have a new one that will be here hopefully on Saturday, and I buy power and Amazon are dealing with um, that lost package. I don't have to deal with it anymore. So, anyways, Jeff Bezos, if you're listening, and I hope you are, but I doubt it. Um, I would pay seventy-five to a hundred dollars a year extra for Prime. If it would never use the USPS, I would pay easily pay a hundred bucks extra every year if you would guarantee that my packages would all come through FedEx. I would do it. I would do that very easily. Otherwise, my machine is running great, actually. Um, I will submit that I probably should have just built this machine completely from scratch because back here, and I'm waiting to do this next time, is another solid state drive that I'm going to put in. So right now there's a one terabyte mechanical drive in there. And Amazon was running a great deal, and I bought another one terabyte solid state drive because why not? I've already gutted this thing to holy hell. So I'm going to rip out that mechanical drive, and I'll have 100% uh, solid state storage, which should make it great and hopefully good. But really, that's about it, guys. I mean, that's, that's a week of Microsoft wrapped up in about 30 minutes, which there's been a lot of stuff this week. I really can't believe how much they talked, leaked, and pushed out. I think... Next week should be pretty interesting. I'll be curious if you're, again, in the Seattle area in Redmond, make sure to shout out to me. And um, I know I do have some free time. I get in Monday afternoon uh, right before the meetup, and then I'm out Thursday morning-ish. Uh, actually, I think my flight leaves around noon. It's going to be a hellacious travel day for me, getting home super late. But I think that's about it, guys. Uh, I appreciate everybody watching. And this has been another episode of The Sam's Report. Thanks, guys.